Good morning, everybody. How you doing this morning? <laughs> Good. I, I can't believe you're all here. You know, Christmas was just yesterday, right? Uh, you know, I, somebody came up to me in the lobby like, you realize, you know, this, this is going to be eight services in the last 48 hours. And like, are you tired of preaching? And can I be totally honest with you? Like, I get to do something I love. I love doing this. But there are hundreds of people who have volunteered over the last 48 hours to make all this possible. I showed up 25 minutes before the first service. The signs are up, the, the coffee's out. I, I, yes, one more time, give it up for all of our volunteers because I just, I thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You get no credit and that's what real servanthood looks like and I, I see it, I know our whole team does. But I'm excited to get to do a follow-up sermon to our Christmas Eve service as a part of a uh, all-out Mercy Road family service this morning. Welcome the Mercy Kids with us. The, some of the elementary students have been here in the services. Uh, we're glad that you guys are here as well. And uh, I, this message is for you too. In fact, uh, I wanna talk this morning about how to make the most out of 2022. What would that look like to make the most out of 2022 as we end this year and we look forward to next year? And in particular, uh, you know, at our, our Easter, our Easter, our Christmas Eve services, we saw 31 people give their lives to Christ. Isn't that cool? And that was just the Carmel Church. There, there are now more people worshiping in the other Mercy Road uh, churches in total, at least as many as in this church as a whole. So it's incredible what the Lord is up to. More people coming to Christ all over the place. And the, in addition to that, all the multiple Indiana churches that we've helped plant and I know God is on the move. And there's been a lot of advancing the gospel through new churches. And then the final one coming up in Anderson in 2022, I'm going to mention a little bit more about that here later in the sermon. But I want to tell you this morning is about taking next steps thing. Not just about advancing the gospel message evangelistically, but maturing in our faith to become the people that God designed us to be. What would it look like for you to get uncomfortably close to Jesus, to look more like him, mature in your faith, and become that person, to make the most of this opportunity that you have right now that many people did not get? And that's another year on this planet. What are you going to do with it? What's your family going to do with it? What are you going to do with your work in that area? What are you going to do with your, your uh, home life? What's it look like for you in your school? How are you going to make the most out of this year. And if you're a Christian, particularly not just to have a moment where you have given your life to Christ, but go through the process, and it is a process, of spiritually maturing over time. That's what I want to discuss. You know, I was an AAU basketball coach for a couple of years for my son's fourth and fifth grade team. I'm pretty certain that Satan had some involvement in the creation of AAU basketball. At least I know this for a fact. He had been coaching the refs in the league I was in for many, many years. And I would find myself falling back spiritually. <laughs> and I'll talk about that. But I remember this moment. It was a fourth grade tournament. And uh, we, there was seconds left. And we needed a bucket to win the game. And usually in fourth grade basketball, that goes like this. I draw a really great plan up. They go up there. They run around crazy. We don't even get a shot off. And here's what happened that day. The kid takes it. Remember this, Jake? He takes it right to the top of the key, three-point shot at the buzzer, banks it in as he's falling down, and we win the game. It was unbelievable. It was, he knew what he wanted to do in that moment, and he went and did it. 
And I think for some of us this morning, you know some things that you need to improve on spiritually. It's time to stop talking about doing something about it, to take the action of this moment of another year and change it. That's what I want to discuss. Are you ready to study God's word, church? Come on now. Uh, Turn to Philippians chapter three. I love this passage of scripture. See, let me give you a little background. The apostle Paul had overseen the killing of Christians. He was throwing them into jail. He encounters Jesus, radically changes his life. He goes away for 14 years. People forget that part. 14 years to grow in this faith. He comes back and begins to live on mission. And he starts churches in parts of the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And he goes on three missionary journeys. And on one of those missionary journeys, he has a dream from God that he should go to this area known as Macedonia. And he wasn't supposed to go there. That wasn't the plan. But he did what the Lord said. He went there and he ends up in the city of Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony that was along the Via Ignatia, the major Roman road that went through. It was kind of a military post. It was uh, well-known. And he, he ends up in this town and he meets this woman there named Lydia. Lydia was an influential person in the city of Philippi. She was a wealthy business person who made purple dye that only royalty and very wealthy people could afford the clothing that they dyed. And because of that, she had a lot of influence in the city. Well, it just happens God brings Paul there. Paul presents the gospel to Lydia. She ends up giving her life to Christ. She opens up her home and a church gets started there in Philippi. And many times when Paul writes to churches in his letters, he's kind of chewing them out. Like you guys are like well, totally messed up and you need to get it. Read the, read the first and second Corinthians. It's like, oh, you guys are a bunch of sinners and I'm not sure even the grace of Jesus is gonna save what's happening here. And when he writes to the church in Philippi, it's not like that. He says in chapter one, I write to you with pure joy because of our partnership in the gospel. That, this, that community there, they were really maturing in their faith in a way where they were making an impact beyond themselves. In fact, they were uh, helping him not only do the ministry, but helping them meet the physical needs of the widows and orphans in Jerusalem that they were trying to care for. And so when he writes this letter to the church in Philippi, it's one of his later letters, and he's most likely in a prison cell in Rome. And he's, you know, some believe he could be basically sitting in his own raw sewage because of the, uh, the way that, you know, the prisons were back then. And he's writing them with pure joy. It makes no sense. And he's telling them this because he's saying what we're doing really matters. And part of the process of maturing in our faith is not giving up. And so when we get to chapter three, look at verse 12 with me. It says this. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I don't give up. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Like a fourth grader taking hold of the moment, we could take hold of 2022. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature, anybody in here mature? I had the guy at the first service like, yeah, I'm totally mature. And then like right afterwards, I asked another question and he was like, he was totally immature. He raised his hand again to say that he was very uh, adept at taking risk. And I'll talk about that here in a second. But let's stay with me. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we've already obtained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Verse 18, 
For as I have told you before, and I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. I would argue that many Americans and many American Christians have our hearts and minds set on earthly things. It's so easy. It happens to me. And he's trying to challenge them to think differently, to take hold of the moment, and not live for earthly things. Why? Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. I ask you again, how do you make the most of 2022 if you were going to become the person God wants you to be and mature in your faith in ways you know you need to? Let's pray. God, I thank you for every person here. I, I really thought, Lord, at our services, we might have like seven people here this morning. And we have seen you do some really neat things. And I just celebrate that we're speaking on maturing in our faith. And at the first service, four people gave their life to Christ. I don't even understand it, God, like what you're doing. And so I just pray, Jesus, this morning, whatever next steps of faith we need to take in this room or attending online right now, we would do it and we would do it unashamedly. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we welcome our online community as well? We're glad that you're here. Hope you connect with God where you're at. Uh, we've had way more people in person than I thought, but if you're with your extended family and your PJs right now, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Share this live link. If you're on the beach in Florida, <laughs> none, of us, none of us like you this morning, but we're glad that you're here and I uh, hope you engage as well. I, you know, I want to tell you, I, this message has really been speaking to me personally because I find that over time, you can kind of get stagnant and even plateau in your faith. And I want to give you some ways to make the most of your life and it's not going to be playing it safe. Anybody here, you are a natural risk taker. You love taking risks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's probably why you're at the late service, right? <laughs> how, how many of you, uh, you are not a risk taker. You love to be organized and planned, and you work in HR and accounting. Anybody? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of you still at this service. Got it. Well, I, you know, I'll tell you, I am naturally probably more on the risk-taking end of things. And I love uh, putting ourselves out there and seeing God show up. So I will warn you ahead of time, this is, sometimes I preach sermons I don't like. I really like the sermon. So I, some of us, I believe, need to put ourselves out there. But the reality is you don't want to be too far on either end of the spectrum, right? Like you don't want to be drained spiritually all the time because you're always sacrificing and you're not growing in your faith. But you also don't want to be the one that always is getting spiritually fat, so to speak, growing in our faith, but never out there actually ministering to others and risking and asking God to show up. And here's what I found over the years. When we first started the church, we actually, uh, you know, it was 10 years ago we, is the date we always give, but it really was started 11 years ago. Uh, my wife and I moved from California. We started the first outpost in our home. Uh, there was 12 people that started it. It grew to about 20 or 30 people. And back in those days, most of the people weren't from church backgrounds. Some of them weren't Christian. Very interesting conversations that were happening in those places. We met in our home, and I'll never forget, there was this one outpost meeting where we were like, we, we needed people to not just to understand this cognitively, but live this. So we did this challenge. We gave everybody $20, and we said, you need to go out, you have 30 minutes, go out into the community, 
and we want you to use $20 to meet a need and to spread the gospel and to live on mission for Jesus. <laughs> and I'm not joking. We had some people in that outpost. They're like, there's no way I'm doing that. I'm not going to do it. And we were like, no, no, you don't understand. You're, you're going to do it. Or you're not going to be allowed back in here. And, and we, we pushed them out the door and they went out and it was, it was one of the coolest things. We came back 30 minutes later and we we're going to discuss what happened. And I remember some of them that did not want to do it. They were like, dude, I went up to somebody at the parking lot at Kroger and I was like, hey, here's 20 bucks. I'm supposed to give this to you. You know, like, I don't know what. And they were like, next thing I knew, they're asking, well, why are you giving me $20? Well, you know, we're trying to help people in need. And it began. Next thing they knew, they were praying with somebody in the parking lot at Kroger. And I find that sometimes we don't put ourselves out there spiritually and so we don't see the reward of that on the other side. And we play it so safe. Now, look, we know this in the business world, right? Like if you take too much risk, you take on too much debt, you waste a bunch of money, you're going to go broke and bankrupt. But I was seeing, I was reading a Harvard review that was actually talking about the same thing in business. is isn't just true for too much risk, but also true when you don't take enough risk. That some businesses close because they don't advance when they need to. They don't put themselves out there and take risks. It's this balance. And spiritually speaking, some of us need to start taking some risks so that we see the Lord show up. I always use this example. Moses was called by God to lead the Israelites away from Egypt. We all know that, right? And we all remember he got to see the Red Sea part and walk on the dry ground and get to see God free them and give them the promised land and all that stuff. But we forget that Moses had to go there and with Pharaoh and his army coming to kill him stand at the edge of the sea and believe that God was going to part it. And that's the real hard part, isn't it? Putting yourself in a place and situation where God has to show up. What Paul is writing to the church in Philippi about is saying, don't give up on the goal, live for heaven. This life doesn't really matter unless we're being used by God to present the gospel and expand it. And sometimes we're going to have to put ourselves out there. Here's three ways I want to give you to begin making the most of your life in 2022. And the first one might be the most important point. Stop looking back. Stop looking back. Look at verse uh, 12 through 14 with me. It says, not that I've already obtained all of this. He's like, I'm not perfect yet or have already arrived at my goal, but I Press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Remember? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He says, I'm not perfect yet. I'm going to come back to that and explain the significance of that theologically. But he goes on and says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal that I'm going to meet Jesus one day. And I find that a lot of people, because of the baggage of your past, the sin of your past, traumatic experiences, and I'm definitely not making light of anything, because of broken relationships and heartache, even sometimes because of our addictive habits that have caused problems in our lives, but not just these problems that have been created. I find that some Christians often were used by God 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they look back on the glory days of when God used them, and they're like, I already did that. Now I'm just waiting to see Jesus. 
Look, I, I, I can't wait for retirement one day. I'm going to have a great retirement. It's going to be incredible. Um, and I hope that you have a retirement and retire from your job one day. But I want to tell you that biblically speaking, I don't think that you ever retire from the mission of Jesus. There is no retirement. The goal is not to save up money and live on the beach in Florida so that I can have uh, nice things as I go out. The entire portion that we have another breath on this planet is an opportunity to live out the mission of Jesus and, more importantly, become more like Jesus in our life to others. In fact, in, in the verse there that Paul was, uh, just, uh, said in verse 13 that he hasn't already obtained this, he's, he needs to take hold of it, I want to give you a deep, it's the day after Christmas, I want to give you a deep theological concept, okay? Kids, you can get this. I know you can get this. The doctrine of sanctification. Anybody ever heard big terms like that? Uh, the, this, the doctrine of sanctification is the concept of becoming perfect, sanctified. That when you get to heaven one day, you are no longer going to sin. The struggles you have been having this side of heaven, you're not going to have them anymore. You're going to be perfected. In fact, you know, the difference between that, the salvation is the doctrine of justification. We've been justified before that, but sanctification is perfected righteousness. And I want to tell you, you know, I, I love John Wesley and some of the ways he lived out the mission of Jesus. And, but he believed that you could actually be sanctified, perfected this side of heaven. It doesn't happen very often, but because of the Holy Spirit in your life, you could become and actually not live without sin any longer. I want to argue with you that at least in this verse, verse 13, Paul is not a very good Wesleyan. And I've got nothing against the Wesleyans. I love the Wesleyans, but he's not because he's saying, I am not perfect yet. I want to grow in my faith. I want to mature. I want to become more like Christ. And there's this concept that I think we do a disservice to people. I love giving a moment and opportunity for people to, to give their life to Christ, raise their hand and say, I want to be fully yours, Jesus, and invite the spirit of God into their life. But understand, that's the beginning of a very long process. The, the salvation's instant. But the process of becoming more like Jesus, maturing in your faith, takes time. And sometimes, here's what happens. You take two steps forward, and you take one step back. And you take three steps forward, and you take four steps back, and seven steps forward. And it feels sometimes like you're treading water because you're beginning to grow in your faith. I am excited to tell you, after 21, 22 years of being a Christian, there are certain sins I struggled with in my first five years of being a Christian that I no longer struggle with. Praise Jesus. <laughs> right? But there are other things in my life that 22 years later, I am still struggling with, mainly referees in AAU basketball games. <laughs> but I continue to struggle with in my life. And I, there is this act of repentance, of admitting our failures before God, repenting of our sin, going back to the foot of the cross yet again, and becoming the, God, the person God wants us to be. But here's what I see happen all the time. Somebody gives their life to Christ. They got a radical life change. They're like, I, I, I need to grow my faith. They begin to pray. They begin to read scripture. They begin to grow in their faith. They be, begin to actually follow Jesus for the first time in their life. It's amazing. They get three, four, five, six months down the road. They went through Rooted. It's, it's an incredible life. And six months later, they, they, they fell into a sin temptation that they had previously struggled with and they thought they were done with. And then the guilt and shame of that choice wells up in their life. 
and then rather going back to the compassionate heavenly father we have and begging for his forgiveness all over again like the prodigal son we feel like i already did that i shouldn't have struggled again and in our shame we put our heads down and our shoulders down and we just go right back to the former lifestyle we had i want to encourage you that the process of sanctification and becoming like jesus and righteous is a process over time paul took 14 years before he went out and started his first missionary journey because he needed to change some things in his life. Number one, stop looking back at the glory days or your past struggles. But number two, start, start maturing. Start maturing in your faith. Look, look what it says in verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things. Now, the interesting thing here is most uh, theologians believe Paul's kind of being sarcastic here. The, the word mature in the Greek there, it literally means perfect. So he's saying, for those of us who are mature, who are perfect, can take hold of these things. But he's saying he's not yet, and he's working on it. And that the maturity process is not that you're already perfected, but that you're learning to be more like Jesus and not quitting when it gets hard. Because at this time, the Christians are starting to get persecuted for their faith. He's in a prison cell because he's preaching the gospel. And so he's saying, I keep pressing on to take hold of that which Christ has given me. He goes on and says, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Here's the interesting part, though. If you only go, I want to mature in my faith, and you start reading your Bible, and you start growing in your faith, if that's all you do is this kind of isolated Christianity where, you, where you're never around other believers, which is becoming more and more popular in our isolated suburban cultures in America, you will never actually become a mature believer. Say, well, that is a loaded statement. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it has to be Mercy Road Church. I'm not saying it's a size. It could be a church in Korea that's 100,000 people. It could be a house church of seven people. But the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another man or woman. In fact, Paul, when he defines maturity, how does Paul define maturity in his letters? I want to show you that what he says about spiritual maturity is it will not happen by yourself. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 with me, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, or pastors and teachers, we use the acronym APES to remember those five ministries that every local church is called to fulfill. There are many different spiritual gifts that come together to fulfill those five ministries to advance the work of God in our lifetime. But we often forget the two verses that come after that, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. When Jesus gave his life on the cross and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, what the Spirit of God was given to us God was present on earth before and after the crucifixion, but what changed over the course of that time? Jesus' physical body had been ascended to heaven, and now his, uh, the physical body of Christ on earth is believers coming together, and no one person perfectly represents Jesus. Look at, don't believe me? Look at verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, and here's the only way to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, you don't see the fullness of Christ, the whole measure, unless you have all the different parts of the body. 
And so if you are the ankle or the toe or the nose or the pancreas of the body of Christ, I don't know who the pancreas is in here, not a job I would have wanted, but we need all parts of the body of Christ to come together to have the fullness of Jesus. Meaning, if you don't have Christian community to challenge you spiritually, to get into God's word and not just go, well, I think it says this, but actually hear what, what God is saying to other people about what it says. Look at 2,000 years of theological history of what, what did this passage mean in its context? What does it mean today? How does this change me? You're not going to become the mature believer that God desires for you to be. That process of sharpening your life over time. I share that because I want to share with you our theme for 2022. And we're going to talk about this on January 2nd. Our theme for next year, it's called the year of the word. And over the course of the next year, we are going to get deep and challenge you to get into God's word, to read the Bible, to actually understand scripture. I've met so many Christians who've attended services for decades upon decades, but they've never read the Bible. And it's the one thing we know that God can speak directly to us. And so we're going to challenge you to read the Bible this coming year. But if you read the Bible and you don't have any community to process things with, whether it's going through Rooted, whether it's in a huddle or an outpost, you're not going to become the mature believer God desired you to be. And the goal is to become the fullness of Christ, to look more and more like him. Oswald Chambers says it this way. I love this quote. Viewed from another angle, spiritual maturity is simply Christ-likeness. We are as mature as we are like Christ and no more. If we can leave that up there, I, this, this has just really hit me. I, I've been in ministry for 20 years now, and I have seen things ebb and flow and come and go and models change and, you know, buzz words and phrases and churches. And, and I can tell you this, in the last 10 years of Mercy Road, seeing the gospel expand and reach all these new people and all these, you know, 22 churches, when you call all the, count all the multiply Indiana churches and so many thousands of people coming to Christ and all of this stuff, I can tell you it is the temptation of every church, especially in American culture, to just become and begin to run things like the next nonprofit business that is run with human knowledge and leadership tactics. And I just want to tell you, man, I never want that to be our church. When you read the New Testament, the goal was to become like Jesus and not focus on the business strategy, but to care for people, to love people, to be there for them in their time of need, to send people out and to change lives. I want to tell you, my goal is for us never to build a brand of Mercy Road that, that people buy into a brand. When we get, you guys know when we get to heaven, there's going to be no Mercy Road section, right? It's going to be all people, all nations, all people groups, all different cultural backgrounds of people that genuinely wanted to know Jesus and to become more like him and to get uncomfortably close to him to dive into his word and to mature in their faith. And so I want to challenge you that this next year, you become somebody, and I know you're like, I'm not one of those Christians. No, 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 no. I want to tell you, if you're not one of those Christians, you may become one of the most incredible uh, world changers if you actually did this. That you start praying and fasting and reading God's word and getting closer to him than you have ever been. If you did that, 
we would have to do a lot less leadership seminars and trainings and help marriages and, and help you know, recovery ministries and all of the, I believe in all those ministries, by the way, but we'd have to do a lot less of that if we just focused on becoming like Jesus. And that's why we've oriented the church to be about disciple making. Many want to make the most of their lives, but can you get past your past? Can you mature this year and focus on the things that you really need to focus on? And to stop pretending, to seize the moment, take hold, go to the top of the key and bank that in, baby. Because you can change and you can know Jesus more deeply. The third and final point I want to share is this. One, stop looking back. Two, start maturing. And three, step out in faith. To step out in faith, go to the edge of that Red Sea and say, God, I'm waiting until it parts. Because that's the hard part. And the reason we do that is because we're not from here. We're not from here. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I, I used to have this roommate in seminary in Southern California. Uh, he was from Boone, North Carolina. And uh, his name was Austin Eggers. And I can say this because we're good friends, but like Austin was, uh, he drove this little S10 pickup truck that I, it was a stick shift. I don't think it went over 50 miles an hour. And he used to drive in Los Angeles traffic with six lanes where people are going 90 miles an hour. And he'd drive 50 miles an hour and cut people off all the time. And they would, they would honk. He was a terrible driver. They would honk at him and they would yell things and wave appendages at him. And he would, he would do the same thing every time. He just, he'd wave back and go, it's okay, I'm not from here. <laughs> and I just want to tell you that sometimes as a Christian, when you live on this planet, we live a little differently because we are not from here. The Bible teaches us that our citizenship is not of planet Earth. In fact, it's not even of America, of the United States. You're saying, what are you talking about? It, it, it's that we are citizens first and foremost of heaven. Look what Paul says in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. That Jesus is really going to return, and we're eagerly awaiting it with expectation. And so we're going to step out in faith and believe that God is going to show up one day. Verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will become like his glorious body. That one day we will see God face to face, and we will, there will be no more tears. There will be no more shame and guilt. No more of the sin issues that you've had in the past. You will finally be purified and sanctified and righteous because of the work of Jesus in your life. You get to be in the presence of a perfect God and you get to be, look back at the stories that you had and how he used your life. But you only get to do that if you see that what we said at Christmas Eve, if, if eternity is a long line and this life of 80 plus years is this little dot on the line that we're living for the line and not for the dot that we remember our citizenship is in heaven eternally and not just here and now. And when you have that eternal perspective, you will remember that one day you're gonna see God face to face in his throne room and you're gonna to get to look back at what you actually did with your life. And I wanna share some exciting news as we close this out, a couple of things. The first thing is this. Oh, good, I thought you were leaving me. I was getting very, it was insecure, Eric, and... Glad that you're back. Um, I, I, uh, I, I got some exciting news for you. Um, you know, we set this crazy process uh, three years ago to do something I didn't really want to do, to be honest with you. We were going to raise money and put a campus in Fishers, and, and then we had a consultant tell us, you know, if 
you were crazy enough to try, you might be able to raise $3 million. And we were like, that seems impossible. But if we were going to raise that much money, would we really just put it all into a campus? And, and we decided, no, we've always been about stepping out in faith and saying, God, you're going to have to show up. And just like that first outpost where we forced people out the door, we were like, we're going to force people to go in four different directions and start four new tr- churches. That's why it was compassion campaign. It was the shape of a compass, north, south, east, and west. And, and that we were going to bring the compassion of Jesus into communities. And everything that happened three years ago, it's all occurred. We set out this crazy process. We didn't even have planters or buildings or anything. We were going to buy two buildings. We ended up getting donated a third one up in Anderson. Three of the four churches have been planted. There are now more people worshiping in those churches than in this original church. That there are people coming to Christ every weekend, being baptized all the time in those churches. It's actually everything God set out to do that I didn't want to do has all happened. And, and the last church is in Anderson, Indiana. And we told you the, the, all of the remaining funds were going to go to plant that church. Couple of things. One thing, the building uh, that was being donated, we officially will gain ownership and we'll begin the loan construction uh, on uh, January 12th. So it's all happening. It's all official. They had they reallotted the plat so that that could occur. And, and the, the drawings got submitted to the state and we're going to begin that whole process. Uh, but like the day or two before Christmas Eve, we still needed $250,000 in order to get there, which is less than 10% of the entire amount of money. So we'd raise like 91%, but I was still like, I have no idea where those funds are going to come from. And the day I was talking about, we were down to 248000 left because of your generosity at 4Anderson2022.com and, and just giving through the compassion link. But long story short, somebody emailed me a couple of days before Christmas Eve and said, hey, I want to finish this thing. I said, I do too. And he said, uh, I'd love to give, uh, and you don't get emails like this very often. He said, I'll give $25,000 if you can find other people to finish the campaign by the end of the year. And I was like, that is amazing. That's awesome. I don't get emails like this every day, but I don't know that that's going to be possible. But I sent a text to the other lead pastor and said, hey, I've got somebody who wants to do this. Do you think anybody else want to do this? All of a sudden, other people started stepping up. And now I'm excited to share that over $150,000 have been committed. We have less than $100,000 to go to finish this off. Now I want to tell you why it's really important, because we're going to begin the construction and we need all those resources. And, and be praying. We may have found a, a pastor for the Anderson Church and all this stuff. Like It's really all happening. Um, but we need all the resources. I want to finish it by the end of the year. Here is the backup plan. If we don't raise all the resources, my friend Ethan has told me that he and I are going to be living on the roof of the building in Anderson, camping out until we raise all of the money. I can't tell you how much I do not want to do that. But that is the backup plan. So we need your help as a church. Anderson would love your help. I would really love your help to help us finish uh, this campaign. I have no idea where it's going to come from, but I just wanted to share that information and beg for your help. And the reason that we stepped out in faith in all of that way is because God is a God where anything is possible and any life change is possible and any part of maturity that you think, I will always struggle with this issue. I have struggled with it for 60 years. It's not going anywhere. I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell that Satan is going to whisper to you the rest of your life. But if you read the New Testament, 
And you say, I am going to mature like Paul is challenging the church in Philippi. Don't give up. Don't give up. The process of maturity takes time. Grow in your faith. Stick with it. Be used by him. Your citizenship is in heaven. Don't live for earthly things. Live for eternity. And God will change you through the process of time. I know I need that as I head into this next year. And I imagine you do too. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for all these people that came out the day after Christmas. And so I just pray for each of us, Lord Jesus, whether we are Christian or or not this morning, that we all need maturity in our faith. We need to become more like you, Jesus. I pray this year we do not just go about the business of being a Christian, but we actually look like you, Jesus. We act like you, we talk like you, we think like you, and we repent of anything that we're not. And so if you're like me today and you need to grow up a little bit spiritually, I invite you to pray this with me. God, this year, I pray that the struggles I have been struggling with, that I see incredible improvement. God, I pray that I grow closer to you this year than I've ever been in my life. Help me to stay committed to the disciplines of fasting and praying and and worshiping and studying your word, Jesus, and that this year I actually read the Bible and and become the person you created me to be. And so I surrender every aspect of my life to your lordship, including my struggles, including my past. And I pray, God, that as we press on towards the future, that as we look more like you, Jesus, you grow your church because of it. We love you. We give you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.